Hi, Jim. Hello. Hey, did you look at the book Progress Principle? I did. I loved that book. I love the book. I've been it's, loving this book for a while. I know. You tried to get me to read it in 2000, I think it was 2014 or 2015, and I downloaded it at the time and started it, but I just didn't finish it because yeah. I have I have attention problems. I get distracted really easily. Squirrel, you know, that's what I, I do. don't think you have attention problems. <laughs> I think you have many loves in your yes, life. Yes, yes. So I... Um, I didn't read it at the time, but I just read it now. Okay. So, All right. In so, anticipation of this conversation. Excellent. So can I just tell you, when I read this book, it was it was like a light bulb moment for me about why I've been in schools that seem to have flow and why maybe I've been in schools where, uh didn't feel so good. And... And I think it has to do a lot with the elements that are highlighted here. Mm-hmm. And let's let me just give a little background for people. So uh, Teresa, I hope I'm saying her name right, Amable, and Stephen Kramer, who I think is her like husband, boyfriend, sweetheart, partner, partner something. <laughs> Anyways, they studied twelve over twelve thousand diary entries, and so these people that they were having doing diary entries were working at different, you know, jobs, different organizations, different companies. And I think maybe there's like about seven of them. And these people who were in these workplaces were uh, every night answering and, and talking about certain questions. And now I don't actually remember what those exact questions are. Do you remember that? Because she well, was trying to find out what their inner work lives were. One of them was they had to identify what uh, the big event of the day was. Yeah. And then they had to kind of reflect on that. Um, and what they found too was that what was interesting is that every single, almost every single event as it got described had some kind of an emotional tie. You know, people shared their emotions related to that event, which was really telling. And I think, it, and and my um, understanding is that as they went through these diary entries, they were like, well, why are these people happy? Because they had kind of like a really big workload and they had a lot that was on their plate and they were facing some challenges and things like that. And then they were looking at other people where they were like, why are these people so unhappy? And they were trying to find out more about the inner work life and why people were definitely struggling, struggling with work and struggling with what they were doing. And they started to kind of find patterns within these 12,000 diary entries, which is what this book is about. And I absolutely, absolutely loved it. So, so yeah, it's all about inner work life and they describe it as, this is from the book, uh, the confluence of perceptions, emotions, and motivations that individuals experience as they react, react to and make sense of the events of their workday. So perceptions, emotions, motivations, part and of inner work life. And I know you have a, like a Kindle over there. I have actually the physical copy of it. And on the inside flap, it says, manage progress, not people. And to me, that's the book. Yeah. We could almost be done right now because <laughs> that is all that you need to do. Yeah, but that's easier said than done because <laughs> um, I I read the book and I loved it and I love the principles behind it and I still have... I feel no idea how to manage progress of teachers because, um, 
or educators for that je- for that matter because it talks about you know managers even need yeah to uh, manage their own progress and awareness or maybe of their boss has to help them manage yes their progress. right but be aware of that right and mm-hmm. the impact that it has and so <clears throat> I just don't know how to do it because in my head I think well you know and I think that's why a lot of teachers went into education in the first place because they thought this is going to be really rewarding work in fact when you tell somebody I'm a teacher they say oh, oh that's, that's so, so nice that's so rewarding you know because you get to be around kids all day and they give you instant feedback about how they're feeling what they like what they don't like and I think that's why a lot of people went into teaching is because they like kids and you know, that should be part of that progress feedback. Okay. So I know in your notes, you have the the study that they, or the questionnaire that they gave to the leaders, right? And they said, what do you think makes the biggest difference? Right? Yes. Do you have that data? Will you, will you share it again? Well, let me see if I can find it. I don't know. Because um, that was the moment when I was like, I have got to have that book. Shoot, we should have we should have bookmarked this part because really they are talking about, I know it has to do, it's next to in my book. Well, I want to read something while you're looking for okay. it. Because, well, it did talk about managers um, believing, managers who say or who secretly believe that employees work better under pressure, uncertainty, yeah. unhappiness, yeah. or fear are just plain wrong yeah that's yeah. really interesting because that some of the some of the approaches in education especially with turnaround have been all about um lots of pressure yeah right and yeah. we must we must kind of creating that urgency we must make a change we have to do this and um you know that might be working a little against what we are trying to achieve. Um, So in the book, too, I thought it was really interesting. I'm going to read this part, too. It says, small wins, seemingly minor progress events can yield significant inner work-life benefits, sometimes as large as much greater leaps forward. And managers can facilitate such events. On the downside, even seemingly minor setbacks can, well, really set inner work life back. So I I think that's really interesting because our whole thing is about little things first. Right. And it turns out that little things in the course of a day can make somebody feel really, really good about their work and then have them end up being more creative and more productive. And little drawbacks, little setbacks, little things that get in the way can have a disastrous effect. So it seems to me that our teachers, because we are sort of in a climate of, you know, teacher retention issues and dissatisfaction with their work, we've had conversations. Okay, well let's let's so just let's it seems just simplify. Like they're they're experiencing more setbacks okay. than wins. Sure, let's simplify for a little bit though. What when we go in and observe a classroom and we say to the teacher, there needs to be a positive to negative ratio. What is four, it? Four to one. Four to one, at least. Right. Right? And that's exactly what they're talking about, except for they're just referring to adults instead of kids. Yeah. They're saying, you have got to be fed by seeing that you're making progress. And I am overlaying the research that we know that shows kids need to have positives four times as many times as negative feedback, right? Right. So when you're thinking about trying to help teachers, 
we have to feed them over and over and over and over again with how well they're doing. And it could be as simple as, hey, I saw you with Joey, by the way. That You, you just did such a nice job interacting with him and helping him, uh, you know, return to his work. That's a positive. Mm-hmm. That's progress. Because they know yesterday or maybe even that morning at 9 o'clock, he had actually eloped from the room and was in the hall and was creating a lot of havoc and three other people had to come and try to give her support, right? Which was a setback for sure. But when you give them feedback and give them, and it has to be authentic, that's kind of a very, very important factor. Don't fake your like, oh, I like the way Johnny's raising his hand, you know? Don't be giving them feedback that's not going to be as meaningful or authentic because people are going to see through it and then they're not going to believe you at all when you really are giving them progress. But we as educators, we as managers, we have an obligation to make sure that people know when they're doing good things. We know that they've already come with that intrinsic motivation. That's why they became a teacher. So if we can remind them also about how they are changing the lives of kids, how they are how they are impacting our world, how they are actually, you know, making a child's life different than it would have been if they wouldn't have met them, right? I mean, there's so many ways we can have that conversation as well. But truly, we just need to over and over and over again show them where they're making progress. Okay. I think that is very important. I wonder... <laughs> but? Well, no, I know that. Um, I, ro- I wonder um, if... Um, I feel sometimes that teachers are impatient with that a little bit, you know, like, so if they're getting some um, feedback from their administrator, positive feedback, even, or coach or colleagues, um, but they're not seeing results that they expect to see. And so that's what I worry a little bit, because those are sometimes the setbacks. We're asking teachers to do exit tickets and you know they've put in this effort to create this lesson and the exit ticket you know doesn't show what they think it should show based upon the effort that was put into the lesson so the kids you know maybe a quarter of the kids understood the concept so then we as leaders are saying well we have to we're not going to blame the kids right we're going to say what can i do differently to get more kids to proficiency. You have to sandwich that, Jim. So in my mind, you have a teacher, you're giving them feedback. They're so frustrated because their exit ticket didn't work, right? And they're like, oh, this is what I'm trying to do. That They should have it by now. And they're all like beating on themselves, which by the way, is already the negative feedback, right? Nobody else has to give more of it to them. But I would say something like, all right, you're right. This one didn't go as well as you had planned. Do you remember though in September when your kids actually didn't know the numbers one through 10, Mm -hmm. look how far you've come. Man, your kids have made so much progress since the beginning of the year. What do you think we want to do to help them master? And then you can kind of go back into that, that little piece that they're looking at for the exit ticket. Where do you think the most common misunderstanding is? And if possible, there might be part of that exit ticket that actually they did get right. So celebrate that too and say, boy, you know what? If you look actually at these exit tickets, you can see this whole group here, 82% of them all have this part of the problem correct. 
It's this last piece that's the misunderstanding. Right. I like that because we're not just looking at did they get it or did they not get it? We're getting at looking at nuances of gettingness. We have to <laughs> look at the that. nuances of the gettingness. Right. Of the understanding. Like there's got there are like levels of understanding. Yeah, because you know, the other thing is when we're really looking at assessments and we're looking at student work, and that's why we want exemplars, for instance, because we want to look at the nuances uh, and the levels of getting better. So uh, in a non-education setting, I Earl Nightingale has uh, a quote that talks about progress is, I'm not quoting it exactly right, but it's the like meaningful um, progress towards your goal, right? So your success, sorry, success is meaningful progress towards your goal. So teachers are like, oh, but they're not successful. I haven't actually, you know, we haven't made that. But the truth is the work is never done. The truth is never done. So we want to make sure that teachers are seeing that they've made progress. Every small piece about getting to that space. And it could even be you've been in the room and they look at the exit tickets and they're all freaked out and sad because they didn't get the exit ticket the way that they wanted for the mastery. You could also recognize though, but you know what? Actually 92% of your kids were engaged and they were with you and they were focused on the lesson and they put everything in their journal. And if you were to go back to this and you know, readdress it, it's very likely that your kids are going to be making even more progress. The truth is we all want to feel like we're getting better. Mm -hmm. We all get fed by that and we have to have, we have to have it. And so much of our like society and the news and government and leaders and sometimes even people like the president have just nasty, awful, mean things to say about education. And I'm not saying we're perfect. We're not. But we have to counteract all of that negativity as well in order for us to be able to get to a place where, you know, teachers are seeing that their work is making a difference. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I think is kind of interesting is this checklist that they have in the book. Um, and one thing that jumps out at me is, did they, so an inhibitor, something that gets in the way mm -hmm. of progress is uh did they lack sufficient time to focus on meaningful work yeah and that's... over and over again we hear this time issue in fact i'm looking at this education week article yeah uh from october 15th of 2019 and it talks all about um, teachers to principals here are the best ways to show appreciation time comes up over and over yeah. and over again right. and um i just wonder you know well, who has the most influence on time in the building? The principal. The principal. Right. They could help take things off people's plate. They could help rearrange resources. They could uh, allow teachers to look at ways that their schedule works to try to reduce little tiny blocks of unstructured or, you know, I have this 15-minute window before we go to music and after we go to lunch. I mean, 15 minutes, not that you can't do good instruction, but by maybe changing a way a schedule rolls out, that could maybe help them with that time. Right. And then I think another one on here is interesting as an inhibitor. Did I or others fail to provide needed or requested help? I think that's interesting because as a principal, I did that sometimes. Like people would ask me for help, and I was so quick to judge the quality of the ask 
that I think I didn't provide the help that was needed. What what kind of quality of ask? What are you talking about? Well, because I would say like, oh, you know, this teacher just needs to do this, mm-hmm. right? And that wasn't the help that they were asking for in that mm-hmm. particular moment. I see. And so I was too quick to offer a solution like what I saw as a more yeah. long range solution. Yeah. And I didn't provide the requested help. And that is, turns yeah. out, a huge inhibitor, you know, because that can be a teacher walks away from that encounter yeah. feeling dissatisfied, feeling like it was a setback. And that can have real yeah. negative momentum. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And <clears throat> in fact, let's make sure we find the source for this because I'm looking at it right now and we want to make a link to it online because it does give us as leaders a way for us to see, are we nourishing? Are we providing um, catalysts to help people grow? Or are we involved in ways that might set back their progress? Um, so we'll make sure that we find a way to kind of go there because I think these are all really important questions and they're little things that make a big difference, right? About yeah. check doing a checklist to yeah. see. Tracy's referencing this checklist that we have a picture of. I think it's almost, we'll have to check it, but I think it's almost the same or exactly the same as mm-hmm. the checklist that comes from the book. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, here, I have to go back. So I found the place where we had the surveys, right? This is... And, and I'm telling you why this was like a, a whack on the side of the head for me. I was at a conference and somebody brought up this reference to managers. So they created a survey and they had 669 managers that ranked in importance the five factors that could influence motivation and emotions at work. So these were the things that were up there and then the, the managers had to pick. Which ones do you think in order have the most impact on um, on people's emotions at work and their motivation and down to the least amount. And the, and the things that are included in the survey were recognition, incentives, interpersonal support, clear goals, and support for making progress in work. So they thought for sure that, you know, managers are going to pick this, but actually that wasn't really true. So what they found out was, that leaders, managers really are not aware and that they had the um, progress was ranked dead last by these 669 managers as a motivator. And it was listed third out of five as an influence on emotion. And in fact, only 35 managers, I want to work for them, by the way, Only 35 of the 669 managers rank progress as a number one motivator, and that is only 5% of all the managers that recognized that that was um, the number one. But if you look at these 12,000 diaries, that is the number one thing. And it kind of reminds me of um, the Google survey where they were actually trying to find out what makes teams work and what makes them more effective. And it had that psychological safety piece, right? That was in there. I believe that seeing that you're making progress at work is part of that psychological safety. Yes, they've mentioned psychological safety very, very briefly toward the end of the book, um, and I highlighted it, but now I probably won't be able to find it. Oh, here it is, page 177. This is how a manager creates a climate of psychological safety, by focusing on the work and what can be learned from it, rather than berating subordinates for errors. 
More generally, this is how a manager can sustain virtuous cycles of progress and positive inner work life in the face of the inevitable setbacks that occur in any complex project. Contrast this to the climate of blame and fear that prevailed, uh, and they give an example from the book. So anyway, I they do mention psychological safety, so I think that mm-hmm. that it's nice to see how all of this is sort of right coming together it's saturating and so you know you're like oh i'm onto something here because yeah. i'm seeing references to things that i've been reading yeah um and and i'm going to just since you made point of pointing the page numbers i'm going to just say 89 is where they have the information about the uh, survey results right so if you nice. wanted to kind of dig a little bit deeper in there and, and in fact i'm going to point out something else that's in this area in the book if it's okay can i yeah. take a big t- detour here so when we're looking at um why do kids spend hours on a video game? Yes, this was a good. And yet they don't spend all that time, right, being excited about classroom work. And that's because we do not have the secrets of the video game designer. <laughs> right. The truth is, though, when we as teachers even are talking about work with our kids, we are not helping kids see the progress that they're making. But let's just think for a minute that you, when you're playing a video game, you get all kinds of perfectly timed pieces of feedback that you are almost ready to level up. And so that just gives you this internal drive. I mean, I've never played Candy Crush, but I have watched people seriously spend a lot of time and really focus on Candy Crush. And they see these numbers on the side and they see that they get extra kind of pineapples or something like that. And then they just keep working harder till they finally move to the next level. And there's just such an endorphin rush when people do that kind of leveling up or when they get those different kinds of medals or they get little check marks or somehow they've moved up to this next level. And, and, and we need to do that with our kids. And we as leaders need to do that with our teachers. We need to start writing them thank you notes. We need to start kind of recognizing uh, by just telling them directly in informal and formal ways that they're doing some amazing work. We need to celebrate every time that we see growth that's happening within uh, the classroom, both in academic, but also in social emotional work, as well as just even like how well their PLC went and they're working with their colleagues, right? There's so much to what teachers are expected to do and they have to have their whole head present and ready. And they have to not, of course, not, not just psychological safety, that's important, but they have to feel like they're making progress. That's why people in turnaround schools are just beaten down and burned out, right? They've been working their butts off And they've been giving so much of their time, their heart, their sweat and tears. And all they get is a note from the state that says, you have failed. And now you're in turnaround or whatever the the note is, right? And, And that makes no sense to them because they have given everything, right? And if we could just start helping them see the levels of progress, it's like a cycle a flywheel, if you will, that continues and it just builds on itself and builds on itself and then continues to grow. So I, okay. okay, All right. So uh, in the, in the psychological safety book by Amy Edmondson, Edmondson. um, it talks about one of the ways to build psychological safety is to um, look at how much agreement you have around the table, right? If you have too much agreement, then mm, that's no good. You want to actually facilitate 
what are we maybe missing here? Right. What's the other side that we might be missing here? So I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Okay. <laughs> You're going to try to make sure that you have the dissenter speak up. Exactly. So I'm wondering what if there isn't progress? You know, like what? Okay, if, wait a minute. What about those people there who might is say always <laughs> progress? So what if? What about if? What about if you say a leader says, "Well, this is just. I mean, the the scores are horrible. The wait a minute. The I do not want to work for that person. Okay. If if someone gets up and says the scores are horrible, well, no, I don't think they would say that. What would they loud. say? Hopefully, but you know, I mean, the the it, the results are just not. I mean, maybe they're saying that to us, right? We're their consultant, and they're saying, "I'm really struggling to find positive things to say to this teacher." And so, you know, I, the, you know, the kids are out of control in the classroom. They're running out of the classroom every single day. There's no management, and the results are in the gutter. And I'm just really struggling. I want to be able to build this teacher up. I get how important the progress principle is. And I just don't know where okay. to even begin because there's very little for me to say okay. is positive. Okay, let's let's step back for a minute. So the one thing that's important for us to realize is that teacher's not having any fun. Oh, no, 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 That no. teacher... Well, they're experiencing way more setbacks and... Oh, it, than, and so if nothing else, I am going to be happy that they have come and they are willing to do the work. Mm -hmm. That is progress. They're showing up. Now, maybe you don't want them to show up, but that's a different conversation. But they're showing up and they're willing to meet with you to find ways to improve. Mm -hmm. Those are two pieces of progress. And then I think it's important that you find things in the room that, or within the interactions that this teacher has, and there is always something. Well, and I'm thinking too, you could ask the teacher, what help do you need? I know you have somebody in mind that you're thinking about. So give me one thing that this person's doing well. Well, I mean, I like I think that can be part of that progress principle, right? Is if you, they say, "I really feel like I need help with this," or, right, I, that's or I, great. "I want I yeah. want this to yep. be able to do my job better." Yeah, and then you provide that thing. Yeah, but you have to be willing to like step it up and provide that. Thing. Yes, or find someone who can. Yes, right? Because you do, you do need to make sure and give and them that some can help. be a real progress thing for a teacher is to be able to to be given. The resources that they need. Well, they have to, to feel like they have support. Yeah. Like it matters and that you care and that the work they're doing is meaningful. So if we're thinking of a teacher who's really struggling, we're happy that they're coming, we're happy that they're willing to work with us, and then we have to give them a bite-sized piece that they can do. Something that they can do by the time I come, two days, three days later, and then when they come and they're doing this thing, even if they didn't do it all the time, but they did it one time, that's one time more than they were doing it before. And so we're going to celebrate and say, you've done some really great things. Here's some other ways that you could maybe make this a stronger piece. Because they are there, they want to do well. They really do. They want to do well. Now, does that mean every person should be an educator? No. I've coached some people to think about other career paths because it they didn't like it. It was stressful. It was frustrating. They didn't enjoy it. Uh, they dreaded uh, Sunday night and coming to work. And, and I'm not saying that that's true for this person. But what I'm thinking of is if people are really there with you, we need to make them feel safe. We need to make them feel supported. We need to be authentic and giving them examples where things are going well. And then I often give them maybe three things 
here are a couple of things I think that you could work on from my observations. Maybe there's more things. Maybe you have something else that you would like to do. Here's some things. Uh, and I would lay them out and I would say, which thing would you like to work on first? And I give them the choice to tell mm -hmm. me what do they want to work on. And so we put the other things aside. They're there in the background. The teachers receive the feedback. She may or, or he or may or may not uh, take those other things on, but we're just going to focus on the one bite-sized piece that we're going to work on that they chose that means something to them. I almost always say, I, I'm going to let the coach know that this is something you're going to take on and that you're going to work on, so they're going to come check on you, and then I'm going to come back too. I don't want to have us kind of conflict with each other and give you too many cooks in the kitchen. So I know the, co the coach is going to be in there with you and then I'm going to come by, but I'm always here if you need it. And then I try any time I can to catch them doing it. And I just shower them with the evidence. Look, you did it. Nice job. I'm so impressed. I love this. You're doing a fantastic piece. But again, you have to be clear about what you want and then you have to be catching them and watching and monitoring, giving them opportunities to see where things are getting better. They are making that progress, so. Yeah. Yeah. You don't sound so convinced. I, I am totally convinced. I just, I think it's hard to do. And I want um, Teresa yeah. or Stephen yeah. to come on our program. I, um, I do want to just say that they I did invite them to be a guest and... Um, they do they, work at Harvard, so they have know. Uh, they have other commitments right now, so uh, are not able to join us. But Teresa and Stephen, we want you to come on our program um, and subscribe to our podcast because that'll help us convince them. As soon as we have, you know, our two hundred thousand subscribers, <laughs> right. that'll make a difference too. Um, also, I uh, the at the last part of the book, it talks about journaling, the effect of journaling, and I am such a bad journaler. Like I. I have all this intention to journal. I know the importance of it. I know what people say as far as the importance of it. And I just think we need to try to, that could be a really good thing for teachers to do is mm -hmm. to journal. And they mm -hmm. talk about what event stands out in my mind from the workday and how did mm -hmm. it affect my inner work life? Mm -hmm. And just being able to journal about that can yeah. really, um, I think, be a healthy Yeah. A healthy move forward for yeah. people. Hey, it's, if it's okay, I'm going to kind of just wrap up what some leaders should focus on. And and then maybe we'll pick this up again at a future time and just see how it fits. But Yeah. And I want to say, like, if there's anybody out there who has any comments about the progress yeah. principle, we'd love to hear about it uh, because it's written specifically for the business world, but there are lots of... Um, it's completely appropriate. Yes, lots of ties into education. So we're just wondering, you know, how might you interpret it in your setting? Okay, this is the next book I want to look at too. It's kind of related, Ooh, okay. but it goes in... Nobody in, can see that from where you're... I know. I'm just getting your... You have to nod or <laughs> give me permission to say it out loud. <laughs> Okay, so he She's didn't say no. She's holding it up he as didn't if you say all no. can see it out there. Okay, he didn't say no. So it's it's a fast read. Patrick Lencioni, you know, he's done a bunch of different little books, uh, like The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. He's got but great he, fables. Great you, fables. Yeah. And this is another fable, and it is The Three Signs of a Miserable Job. 
And I think it ties in and, and really parallels the progress principle, but in a much simpler form that we have so much influence on the experience that adults and kids have in our building. And you want to avoid the things that are in the three signs of a miserable job. So maybe we could do that as a future, as a future it. book read. Okay. Well, let me just wrap up because we kind of just jumped around and gave examples and Jim has lots of questions and, 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 and I have a lot of passion. And so trying to like- I have a lot of passion too. <laughs> true. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to say you don't have a lot of passion. I'm just saying that I, that I was just trying to get in there and say, no, wait, there's always progress. There's always progress. I, guess. I, I think there is too. It's hard to find it always though. Uh, yes. You have to. Yes. Okay, I'm going to say I'm saying thing. implementing the progress principle is harder than just saying that it's important because it is important. I think the the oper operationalizing of it is challenging. Well, and I think too, what is our tendency as leaders? We feel pressure to make things different now. Mm -hmm. And so we just want to boss people and say, do this, mm -hmm. do it differently, or that's not right. And what we've done is really just put the brakes on progress that's going to happen. And we have got to train ourselves and the work that we're doing with people to be in a way that helps them see their progress and helps them by clearing the path with catalysts and then making sure that you've got nourishers there that kind of facilitate. So those are the three areas that you should focus, right? Progress, helping them see how they're contributing and also helping to remove obstacles and trying to avoid setbacks. But we know they're going to happen. So just keep heaping on the progress and helping them see how they're contributing and making progress. Then catalysts are, you know, ways that we can support them. These are the actions that we as leaders can take. Set clear goals because nothing's more frustrating than not even know what the goal is, right? Setting clear goals, allowing autonomy, providing resources if they need them, give them enough time but not too much because that can also slow down the progress. Help with the work, learn from problems and successes and, and grow from it, and then allow ideas to flow. And then the third area that leaders can focus is on the nourishers, and that's that human connection. And this is where we respect them, we recognize, we're available to them, we build trust, and that's kind of that psychological safety piece. We validate their emotions, we encourage them, and then we actually have some affiliation with them, the feeling that we're you know, on a team and, and maybe even like levels of fun. So that's like a really, really quick uh, response and version of the progress principle. Um, but the bottom, in my mind, the bottom line is just inside the flap, like it says, manage progress, not people. That's a good takeaway. It's a yeah. good takeaway. All right. Hey, thanks, Jim. I love being on this podcast with you, by the way. And I want to just give you the idea and the knowing that your progress in this podcast has transformed from the beginning of our session. Remember those first few we did? We just, yeah. we didn't sound so good. <laughs> right. And I feel like, <laughs> I feel like this is, yeah, it's easy to see the progress that we're making in the podcast. So that's good feedback for us. <laughs> right? We want to keep going. Well, we just have to celebrate. We have to celebrate. And we know we're doing meaningful work. And and it's, it's just nice to feel like things are getting better and we're getting better. Yeah. All right. Thank you. And everybody have a great day. <laughs>